1: Well boys, I've got a treat for you this week. We have a guest on the podcast and you're going to get to know some things about Murray Watts throughout the course of this episode. But one thing that might not come out if I didn't say it is that this man was once offered his own radio show on ESPN radio network. Is that true Murray?
0: It it is true. It, It sounds maybe more important than it was. It was a the local ESPN affiliate in Jonesboro, Arkansas But yes, I would have been my own drive-time sports host
1: Wow So you you guys are in for a treat this week You usually have to listen to my voice Which was not made for radio But we have a professional with us Or someone who in another life could have been the next uh, I don't know who's the sports radio personality these days Dan
0: Patrick, Colin Cowherd, somebody like that maybe I don't know
1: um today we're going to talk about vehicles and Murray has an interesting story around vehicle purchasing and so I wanted to to talk to you about how you did did vehicle purchasing and maybe even kind of rewind into your story so I asked you to come on because every car story every time somebody says oh you got to hear this this story of how I really screwed things up with, with a car purchase. It usually starts with a, a bad decision at some Mm -hmm. point down the line. And I think that's true of what happened to your family, right?
0: Yeah, you're right. You put it nice by saying it's an interesting story. I think it's a, when we look back, maybe even a painful story of car purchases, a cautionary tale, a cautionary tale for sure.
1: So what happened? Why did you guys end up in in a pickle?
0: Yeah, so we um, moved from Arkansas to Salt Lake City uh, with my wife, 35 weeks pregnant with our second child. Uh, We downsized to one car uh, when we moved to Salt Lake and had that through our second child. And then our third was actually on the way. And so we looked at, uh, purchasing a minivan. I think that's every guy's dream is a minivan. And so we, uh, we went and got a minivan, picked it up for our third child that was on the way and, uh, and had that for probably a a good amount of time, six months or so. And, uh, then it broke down. It went kaput. It uh, No. Yeah, I know. It's shocking um, that it just, yeah, it, it stopped working completely. Back up for a second. Yeah. What kind of minivan did you buy? Uh, it was a Honda Odyssey.
1: A notoriously reliable car. Yes. And how old or new was it?
0: So it was a 2008 Honda Odyssey. This is in 2017, I think, when we bought it.
1: So that car should have run for a long
0: time. That car should have run for a long time. The questions we didn't ask were about the timing belt and the water pump and when those had been replaced and things like that. And that's actually what broke. Okay. So
1: TBD, whether that was a just a fluke, lemon situation, or if you should have done a little more homework, but yep. now you're stuck With a car that really can't be fixed, right?
0: Yeah. So we were in a situation where we had one car, our third child on the way, and um, looking at about $3,500 in repairs on a car that was worth about six, or um, trying to find something else to purchase and trading in the van as is, but being upside down on the van.
1: Okay. And, I'm, I'm tracking. And this
0: is where um, our bad decision uh, starts. We, so it wasn't
1: the van. That wasn't the bad decision.
0: I would, looking back, I'd say, no, the van wasn't necessarily a bad situ- uh, bad decision. I think what we did next, out of um, full emotion and some might even say panic, um, we went to another dealership and said, we're leaving with a car today. No matter what, we have to have one my wife's going to have this baby in a minute. We have to have a working car that's safe and reliable and all the things. And so we traded in that Honda Odyssey for a 2014 Chevy Traverse and rolled in the negative equity into the new car loan uh, on the Chevy Traverse. And so that is where I would pinpoint a very bad decision for the Watts family.
1: Okay. Break that down for us in terms of Numbers, if you want to.
0: Yeah, so we um, we had the repairs staring us at about thirty five hundred bucks, but we owed about six thousand on the car. And um, when you owe more than what they're going to give you, you have negative equity, and that's the that's the situation we were in. They were not going to give us more than what we owed on the Honda Odyssey, and so that um, that difference of what they would give us and what we owed we had to roll into our new loan with the Chevy Traverse, which at the time we didn't know would depreciate significantly after we bought it. So that coupled with um, being behind the eight ball to begin with uh, started our journey down uh, down a bad car decision. Hmm. And
1: just to to kind of affirm you a little bit, you did need a a car. We
0: did need a car, yes.
1: You said there was a lot of fear and anxiety in the, in the moment of heading to the dealership. Talk about what that does to the purchase decision process.
0: Well, I would recommend uh, being in sales for my actual job. Um, if I have a customer come to me and I know they have to make a purchase that day, that's a good day to be a salesman. It's a bad day to be a buyer. Right. And that's what we were going to the dealership with our attitude of, well, we have to leave with a car today. We need to find something. Um, and partnering with fear and anxiety in that decision uh, leads to purchases, at least in our, our case, um, of something we wanted more than what we needed. Meaning, we bought too nice of a car um, in that situation when we just needed a functioning car and we could have limited the um, the financial destruction that we were walking into.
1: Hmm. So if you went back, I'm, I'm going to ask you this at a few junctures in this mm-hmm. journey but if you went back and found yourself back in that situation with the knowledge you have today what would you have done differently and be specific
0: yeah I think that's a really good dis- uh, good question and for us I'm still torn honestly when I think about it and I talk about it with my wife of do we just find a way to pay the $3,500 on a van that seems like it may be not going to last much longer. Do we just do that? Um, Or do we find a car that is significantly cheaper than the Traverse? And I think I lean towards we should have gotten rid of the van and found something else that um, was reliable, but about half the price of the Traverse.
1: Cool. Okay, so you you walked out with the Traverse. You paid... Something for it that about a week after you left the lot, it was worth uh 60% of that price,
0: yes, yes. And we also bought it at around like 95,000 miles. And apparently, when you get to 100,000 miles in a Chevy Traverse from 2014, the value plummets uh immediately. And we saw that happen very quickly,
1: gotcha. So, what happened next? this is about the time where i became aware of this story yes and i remember hearing you guys not only talk about the pain in your rears that this chevy was causing but also talk about i hope it's okay if i say this you would point to that car in your driveway and say every time we look out there we feel dumb yeah or guilty (laughs) about the decision we made
0: yeah i think the car was it was fine it was great um, it would have been better if we didn't know the situation behind it and the finances behind it because you're you're right we look out in the driveway and it was like oh, that was a bad decision and so every morning we'd wake up we'd walk to the kitchen and we look out the window and see this white Traverse sitting there that on the outside looked like a great car but for us it was like this wound emotionally of like this was a bad decision and so, yeah, you're right. It was uh, it was hard to to do that um, and be in that position with the the traverse, and especially my wife, carrying things the way she does, um, it was a huge burden on her to see that and feel like, um, in a lot of ways, maybe she dictated that decision more than she should have.
1: Hmm. But you guys then became not a one car family pretty soon. That's right. right? Uh, what happened
0: next? So it was uh, still a little bit uh, after that um, that we still had one car. And then um, I changed uh, jobs. I went to work for another company that would actually pay me a monthly uh, rate and reimburse me for gas to buy a car. So at that point, I had to go buy a car for myself. And we became a two-car family.
1: And this company, they weren't cool with a... 1978 El Camino, right? There was some rules around the type of car you had to, to select.
0: I don't think it was the company. Is anybody cool with that car? Maybe that's not (laughs) my style. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so they have stipulations. It has to be four years or newer. It has to be less than, uh, I think it's 75,000 miles. Um, and it, the purchase price, um, the MSRP when the car was, was new has to be over $24,000. So they were pretty particular about what I needed to buy.
1: Okay. So what'd you
0: do? So I, uh, I went and found what I thought again was going to be a great decision. Um, because, uh, I was like, well, I can get a really low interest rate. I can extend the term of the loan, like really far, maybe six years. I know I have to get rid of it in four, but I'll do it in I'll do it in six and we'll just, we'll kick the kick the ball down the street so to speak um on the financial piece and i'll have a lower payment i can get a nice car man i haven't had a car in five years this is gonna be great so i bought a volkswagen tiguan uh, brand new off the lot a 2018 tiguan and uh and drove away feeling great about it and uh then saw that significantly decrease in value also the same this, thing happened. It seems you. to be a pattern Mark. I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but had that car and, and drove that, uh, for a couple years. Okay. And at this point you've got one car that's causing
1: you guys heartache, but the Volkswagen is at least a reliable, it's comfortable. Uh, you guys, you can't see from where you're sitting, but Murray's not a little guy. Um, mm-hmm being in a anything smaller than maybe a, you know f150 is a little bit cramped for you um so you 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 were' in this car it's an SUV it fits nicely all that jazz and at some point you guys came up with the the idea that you know what it's time for us to um get out from underneath, uh, this asset that's not only a little bit spiritually, uh, oppressive Mm -hmm. in our lives, but it's also a financial weight. You were killing it at this new job. Mm -hmm. So there was some freedom to not just be paycheck to paycheck anymore. Um, and so what would you do next?
0: Yeah, I think, um, you touched on a little bit, but we were in a position financially where we weren't living paycheck to paycheck. But we also had a shift in our perspective of how we thought about our family. What did we actually want to do with our family moving forward? Um, And for us, that it may seem crazy, but we'd never had those conversations before. In seven years at the time of marriage, we had just thought, I think we're doing okay. We're we're doing what people around us are doing. We see them doing the same thing. But we had a massive shift in our perspective of what, what we wanted our family to be about the the things we wanted to do and the resources needed to do that and to accomplish those goals quicker we had to get rid of this car um, financially it was draining not because we couldn't afford it but it's just an the extra the chevy payment, right the chevy we we just didn't need it um, and so we wanted to get rid of it um, also because of the emotional toll on our marriage um, that if we get out from under the finger of this traverse um, there's freedom to do more kingdom-building things in our life. And so we said, we're going to get rid of this, whatever it takes. And at that point, um, this was a crucial decision because we owed $10,000 more than what we actually uh, could get for the Traverse.
1: So that negative equity had not decreased. It had <laughs> increased from had the, increased. the days of the van where you had about $4,000 or $3,500 of negative e- equity. Now you're ten grand underwater on a mm-hmm. car.
0: Yeah. Which, uh, let me tell you, if you've never been in that situation, uh, when you pull up Kelly blue book on one uh, web browser and then you go to the next tab and you look at what you owe on your car and the payments and how long it will take you to pay that car off. We had still about four more years of payments on the Traverse. That's a defeating feeling. That's, uh, that's something that I don't think a lot of people count the cost of buying new cars of what, what will I do in that situation when I see that? And we were faced with that reality of, man, for us to get out of this, we're going to have to, we're going to have to spend quite a bit of money or continue to live for the next four years with this emotional burden. And for us, that was a cost that we couldn't, we couldn't manage. We didn't want that in our lives.
1: And what did you do next? Cause I love the solution you came up with, but it wasn't easy. I was, kind of walking with you guys through that. And Mm -hmm. I remember it.
0: Yeah. Um, this is the part where, um, you know, it takes a little bit of humility and it takes the, the realization of the reality that I won't get all the things that I want right away. And I might be a little bit uncomfortable. Mark mentioned, uh, if it's less than an F one I'm not super comfortable. And so I started this journey of, yeah, we'll pay the 10 grand and, um, I won't change cars. Like there's no way can't do it. But, uh, as we listed our traverse privately to sell thinking, okay, maybe, maybe we could sell it. We'd only owe seven grand, man. That'd be awesome. Well, um, as luck would have it, no one wants to buy your Chevy Traverse either, apparently. So we listed it privately for about three weeks and got no bites um, from anyone on Facebook Marketplace or uh, here in Utah we use KSL, it's similar to Craigslist, no bites there. Um, And so I'd go to the dealerships and say, hey, what would you give me for this? And it was almost nothing. And they said, well, if you traded in and bought a new car, we'd give you a lot more. I said, well, that's, I'm, I don't need three cars. Uh, I've, I've got two that I need, and I don't, I don't need to add another one. And so, uh, through that process.
1: So, wait, uh, if you traded it in, mm-hmm. you'd be back to two, right? But you'd be r- ramping up the negative equity even more.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Because
1: they weren't going to give you what you owed. Exactly. Gotcha.
0: Um, and so, around that time, we said, well, I think this is what we need to do. We need to, we need to stop driving the Traverse and we need to um, look at what we're going to do in the future. And for us, that was, what's a reliable vehicle? What's one that seats our whole family? What's one that makes a lot of sense in the winter in Utah that we can get around in. And, uh, and we landed on a Toyota Sequoia and in our budget, factoring in the 10 grand, we're going to have to come out of pocket for the Traverse and finding a new car. Um, we, uh, we settled on a 2004 Toyota Sequoia. And so we went and bought that in cash um, and, and owned that outright, which was amazing. It, it's uh, it's been a phenomenal car for us since then, but now we had those three cars. And so that's, um, that's the part I, I skipped over when I said, if I trade one in to get another one, I'd have three cars that I don't need. Gotcha. Um, so, my wife and I had more and more conversations about what we should do and how do we get the most bang for our buck. And that ended up being taking the Traverse and my Volkswagen uh, to a dealership and trading them both in for a 2020 Kia Optima, uh, which if you're not familiar with your Kia models is a sedan, which means it's a four-door car that is not built for a man that is 6'7 270, but That's what we had to do for our family Um, because of the stipulations for my company that I I have to purchase my own car, but it has to be four years or newer and looking at, okay, how do we, how do we balance this financially with looking at the future? Is there a way I can finagle um, the newest possible car with the lowest amount of loan terms and the lowest payment? And I found that uh, through lots of research. Uh, It was a used 2020 Kia Optima, um, but it's still the year 2020. So I have four years left um, to be able to drive that car uh, before it, it quote unquote, uh, runs out for my company. And uh, and that's what we did. I traded in two cars, got one, paid the extra cash on top of everything uh, to make all the numbers work.
1: Wow. So... You guys traded in those two cars what um i just like this story because it encompasses uh, everything that i would want to share with somebody who's thinking about a car buying decision you guys went through all of it at various <laughs> stages you went through them in weird order i would say yeah, um, yeah. from you know how to buy a used car going back to the van and thinking about well in hindsight maintenance records are important if you're buying a used car from a private party or from a a dealer that maybe isn't a certified used that's gonna give you some warranty or something like that. So lesson one, look for maintenance records. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lesson two, it's really easy, I remember doing this in high school, to show up at a car lot and find a car that, you know, it's not the most reliable, but man, those leather seats, that wood trim, it's really nice. It feels like a luxury car when I sit in it. And it's I, Utah. you got to have heated seats, yep. of course. And so that, that Chevy Traverse, you didn't say it, but it was really nice mm-hmm. on the inside. It felt like a luxury car on the inside. Um, but a little bit of research, again, would have said, mm, this car is not going to be worth very much. And even when you guys bought it, I think you you mentioned like the mindset. You went to the dealership saying, we are somewhat fearful anxious about the baby that's about to arrive in the family we just need a car we'll do just take whatever they got Mm -hmm. recipe for for mistake number two yeah um but then the third thing you guys did i love which was figure out what kinds of cars run forever Mm -hmm. and anyone who knows me i've written articles about this (laughs) I am a big believer in the Toyota engine. Uh, I think whether it's a Camry or a Corolla or a Tundra or a a 4Runner, you guys did the Sequoia, which is just the Tundra in an SUV. Um, Those things you can pick. Do you mind if I ask how much you paid for that car?
0: Yeah, so uh, we paid $3,200 for, uh, again, a 2004 Toyota Sequoia. But we had maintenance records. We did the digging um, online, researching, talking to a bunch of different people that that year model, the biggest thing you have to worry about is, again, the timing belt. Um, And if that's taken care of, you're going to be pretty good moving forward. And So it actually had over 200,000 miles on this Sequoia, um, but it had all the maintenance records, and it was in a place where it was uh, a good buy.
1: And I remember talking about this with you and scrolling through the – the classifieds and seeing a lot of those vehicles that had 400,000 miles on them (laughs) still running and still being sold for about $500 less than the one you guys were buying. So there was some confidence that, Hey, you might have to spend 500 or even a thousand bucks fixing this thing in the Mm -hmm. next two years, but you could do that and it's probably going to keep on trucking. so Mm -hmm. cool move. Uh, I think a lot of people, think that a car that that has more than a hundred thousand miles is just a a recipe for constant, uh, required maintenance and breaking. And I think that is true with some cars, Mm -hmm. but there, there are vehicles out there that you can kind of push them way further than, than average. So cool move number three. And then is it true? Did the Kia
0: come from a, from a Hertz lot? So it wasn't the actual Hertz lot, but it was a rental car before, Uh, And this dealership had procured it somehow from a rental agency.
1: And that's a little hack that's happening right now across Mm -hmm. the country is, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the airports aren't very full at Mm -hmm. the moment. And there's a lot of rental cars that, you know, I I used to think, well, rental car, people just drive that like crazy. But it turns out that once you get past, you know, your your early 20s, you don't actually thrash (laughs) a rental car because you're worried about, about if I put a ding in it, it's going to be a huge pain in, in mm-hmm. the rear to get that reimbursed from my credit card or whatever. So people are actually pretty careful with rental cars, and there are deals to be had. So, And the you,
0: maintenance is going to be on time 100% of the time.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. So you guys parlayed an underwater emotional spiritual boat anchor of an asset plus a car you really liked Mm -hmm. and said lord we're willing to stuff murray into a sedan for a few years because suddenly you woke up and you no longer had negative equity Mm -hmm. in a vehicle and you had money set aside in your savings account um, and things through all of these transactions you went from kind of paycheck to paycheck desperation. If this car breaks, what are we going to do mm-hmm. to today? Yeah. And you've gone through every possible <laughs> manifestation of car buying, but I wanted you to get on this podcast because I just think no matter where you're at, if you're thinking about buying a new car, listen to Murray because he's he's done that and he's seen the thing that your your dad always tells you. As soon as you drive that thing off the lot, son, it's going to be we're 20% less. And if you're thinking about buying a used car, well, Murray's done that several times, done it well and done it poorly. And if you're thinking about uh, being tempted by the heated seats, I don't know, what would you say?
0: Yeah, I would say don't be tempted. Uh, bring in uh, bring in people to buy a car with you. It's it's What I've found since this has happened is I have conversations with other people about, about buying cars. I'm not emotional, Mark, about what car you want to purchase. So I can help you make a better decision. And Mark, you're not emotional about the car that I'm going to purchase. So uh, you're going to be a great asset for me as I shop for cars. Um, And one thing I'll say, too, is I would love to talk to people about buying uh, from dealerships because I was in such almost a desperate situation. I went in-depth with so many car dealerships. I, I remember one Saturday I spent literally six hours sitting in a dealership with their finance manager. And uh, he shared some little secrets that I was not aware of that I think uh, could really benefit a lot of people. Well, what were they? No, that, that was the cliffhanger. We're done. You can just stop it here. They can't know. Uh, no, I, I think the interesting thing, a big reason why the car decreases, even if it's a used car uh, in value when you drive it off the lot, is because on the back end, they're tacking on these warranties that um, that you don't know about. Because um, to be able to take out a loan on a car, it needs to be uh, the, the value of the car versus what you're taking out in the loan. There are certain parameters. And to meet those parameters, typically they're tacking on a $2,000 or a $3,000 warranty. Um, a little negotiation tip for you guys. Um, and if you have emails for Mark, if I'm wrong, you can send them to him. I don't think I am, but uh, you can cancel those warranties and recoup that money immediately um, at any point. So you sign the deal, they've tacked on an extra 2,500 bucks in a warranty. You call the next week to the warranty company, cancel that, that 2,500 bucks pays down your principal. Um, so it's a little hack behind the scenes. Nice. Yeah. You typically get a lower interest rate as well. Uh, when they're doing those things, they'll negotiate on that. Huh? So
1: the last thing I wanted to just ask about is cause we like to give practical tips and you've given a lot of practical tips that you had to learn the hard way through this process. But in terms of there's a spiritual component to buying big assets, mm-hmm. as cars, are probably besides our houses, for a lot of people listening, that's going to be one of the biggest things they ever buy. Um, what'd you learn about that process mm-hmm. that changed between the Chevy and the Kia? This whole journey.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's another great question, Mark. I think for us, we um, may we've made decisions out of fear and anxiety when buying a car. We've made decisions around call it vanity, call it selfishness, call it greed, call it, call it what it is, um, to get maybe that car that, mm, I think we can afford that monthly payment. Let's get a little bit nicer. Let's extend the terms when really nowhere in that process. Do we ask God, God, what, what would be best for our family? Will you help me make a decision, uh, not based on emotion, but, um, one that is the absolute best for our family that will extend the kingdom. And maybe that is a nicer car than what you think you can buy. Maybe it's a sacrifice to a four door sedan instead of an SUV. I don't know, but what I can tell you, Mark, and, and, uh, and the, the testimony from all this, something that happened recently, and I don't want to draw too strong of uh, a correlation between these, but, um, I do think there is a piece of obedience and faithfulness that God continues to bless. When we got our finances in order and had a fresh vision for our family, my father-in-law gifted us a 2013 Yukon SLT, which is like this super high-end model of the Yukon. Uh, We paid a dollar for it, uh, but he gifted us this car. And so now we currently sit with three cars, uh, two of which are paid off my work car that my company's paying for, And, um, and there's actually right after that happened within a week, some dear friends of ours text me and said, Hey, we know you just bought a Sequoia. Can you tell us more about it? Our engine just blew up. We have to have a new car. And I said, well, love to tell you about it. In the meantime, don't rent a car for two months. Let me give you the Sequoia. Here's your two month test drive of the car you want. And so our Sequoia right now is with some friends, um, and they're, they're getting to drive it. And so it's, uh, It's a kingdom expansion thing that we're seeing in our community. Yeah, I love that.
1: Cool. Well, guys, I hope that you're encouraged by this story. And wherever you find yourself, whether it's pining for the new 2021 Ford Bronco, like I assume most red-blooded American men are, or if you're in more of a situation like Murray's described, um, whichever one it is, uh, I think... There's lessons for us to learn here. And Murray, thank you for being on the podcast. I I know we've been talking about doing this for about a year now. <laughs> Since we bought that Kia, I just said, this story is too good. we, we got to throw it up for, for people. So I think people are going to take something away. And I hope that we save at least one listener from buying a Chevy Traverse. Absolutely. All right. Well, guys, until next week, this is Mark and this is Murray (laughs) Watts and you are listening to Abraham's Wallet Podcast we will catch you later